it again. Coming to center, a pass over the line to Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe shoots one. Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio for the week of July 27th. I am your host, as always, returned from my lovely vacation. I am Jeff Hancock, joined today by the tag team of JJ from Kansas and Kyle. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How, how the hell are you? Fantastic. How are I'm, you, Jeff? How was your vacation? Yeah, my vacation was drunk, if I had to pick one word. <laughs> I sang really? a lot of karaoke. I, I had drank no a lot idea. of alcohol. I slept. I I disregarded my entire diet and just slept and on the beach and it was sun and I got burnt and I drank some more and it was much needed. Well, live it wow, up. You got but, a, You got another month before you really got to start focusing on getting into regular season shape. Uh yeah. I've got I got two months. I got two months until the big day, so then literally then it's all down. Two months from today, you will be getting married, or you will be two married. months from two months from the time we are recording this. Yes, I will be married, and we'll all be to go back to drunk. my word of, from vacation drunk. So <laughs> we we will all be drunk in Pennsylvania, having a good laugh, and that's about it, I guess. I don't know, but no one cares about me being drunk. As entertaining as I can be. Uh, how are you guys, more importantly? JJ, you go ahead and tell me. I am uh, completely sober. Okay. That's boring, JJ. I know, right? Yeah, what, what else three is going kids. on? What well, else? We'll change that in two months. Yeah. I mean, I'm saving it up. I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm trying not to, uh, to peak too early. It's July. Yeah, that's true. And Kyle? I know you, you have some plans as well that you've been working on this past week. Yeah, I'm uh, transitioning life, my life pretty much. <laughs> um, I'm moving, uh, not to a different like state. I'll still be in Michigan, really not even that far away from where I'm at right now. Um, just, yeah, a lot, of, lot going on, so it's been tough to like, keep up with all the, the happenings um, you know, or what's been not happening, I guess. I mean, this is like the dead air area for the off-season, pretty much. I mean, unless you give a shit about Craig Smith signing a contract or uh, what's that dude's name, Antropov, Malinga, returned to the NHL. Um, yeah, I don't really care. Um, but yeah, other than that, gearing up, I'll be uh, going back to school in October, you know, so shit's going to get busy, but um, I'm excited for it, and uh, I am more excited for Red Wings hockey. Well, speaking of Red Wings hockey, they did re-sign a couple players since we last spoke. Uh, that would be Timo yeah. Polkinen and Tomas Yurko. I guess we might as well just get right into this. I guess let's, we'll, we'll, let's do Polkinen first. It's a one-year deal. Okay. Just what does this mean for the club, where they stand right now? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a very obvious show me what you can do and earn your way on this team um, deal, type deal to me. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it, 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 it's kind of weird because 
I don't know. I mean, my my initial reaction is that okay, he's got to be on the third line. He's going to be a third line player. He'll seek. Uh, he'll he's going to have to see you know a shit ton of um, you know power play minutes. And you know he's going to be an offensive weapon. He's going to be a sheltered offensive weapon, I think, as he should be. Um, I think it's a great signing. I mean, he's affordable as all hell, especially if he can like produce and score goals. Um, and um, I think it's a good deal. I would have liked to see a two-year deal, but um, then again, I mean, who knows? Maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he just doesn't translate into what he was in the AHL but we won't know until that time comes. So I think it's a likable deal. One year at, what was it, 740 or 750? 735. Um, 735. Thank you, JJ. Um, which is which is a great deal, especially for both sides, really, because, you know, he's going to get paid like an NHL player, and the team is going to get an affordable potential goal scorer. So um, I, I think I, I'm cool with it, and I'm a big fan of Timu Polkin, and I think he's got... Um, Obviously, one of the best shots. So, um, I think he could has potential under the new coach to be a uh, a true weapon, and um, hopefully, he gets used correctly on the power play and doesn't get trotted around the uh, the, the uh, where were they having him at? There, he was at the like uh, didn't they have that like slot. slot most of the time? Yeah, he's just like like yeah. trotting around the slot, just like like kind of looking like a out of his element, you know. It was painful to watch at times. Um, but, yeah. What about you, JJ? I like the phrasing, trotting around the slot. That that was good, Kyle. Thank you. Um, no, I agree. I agree. I'm, uh, I'm not as worried about it being a, a one-year deal versus a two-year. Uh, he's still going to be an RFA, although this is going to give him arbitration rights, and he's going to be able to ask for way more based on scoring literally – any number of goals above zero, which I expect. Um, but I think he's still in a spot where, and I think even Blashell knows this, uh, he is, it, like you just said, it's a show-me contract. Um, yeah. I don't know how much opportunity he's really going to get um, at being that super sheltered. I mean, that's what we all want because he's got the the offensive cannon. Um, I can't see keeping him off the, the power play. I can't see playing him in a stupid slot in a power play uh, just because we know that uh, that Blashell understands better than, than anybody else in the league what exactly you need to use Tamu Pulkinen to do and uh, right. having him blast away. Um, but even then, I think he's going to get some more limited minutes. I think he's going to get um, – there's going to be times where he's going to get sat down. So yeah. even at the end of this one year, uh, we're not looking at Tamu Pulkinen – pulling a $3 million contract, he's probably going to go basically the same route that Yurko did or even the same route that uh, that Nyquist Sam. did before he just got, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. for getting uh, the current deal that they're on. It's it's going to be, okay, you move up from 735 to somewhere closer to a million and show us again, and then if you keep showing us, then we'll pay you. Um, I, I think it works pretty well, and I, I do think the kid, he's got the amazing shot, but he's also um, really got to make continue to make that adjustment to the to the NHL level. Yeah, and it showed last year in the the games that he was up that he was not able to get the shot off 
as quickly or as often, or he would blast it away, and the goalies at the NHL level are a little bit better than the AHL goalies. So yeah. he's got a lot of adjustments to make. I'm confident that he can make them, but um, I'm not so scared that he's going to make them to the point where we're not going to be able to afford him next year. Well, yeah. and can we yeah. all agree that if he did get to the point where maybe we couldn't afford him or he makes such a jump that, you know, you lose a Darren Helms in free agency or something like that, that's a, you know, hey, that's not the worst thing in the world because it means he probably scored like 30 goals and the team was successful. Yeah. Or everyone got hurt and he was playing on the first line all year. One or the other. Right. <laughs> Dude, I mean, he's going to be playing third line minutes. Potentially, I, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he, like, saw time on the fourth line. Um, I don't know if that – I think the third line is probably where he's most likely going to end up. Um, and from him, you know, in that sort of role, I would be happy with 15 to 20 goals. Like, with, with what he is, I'd be happy with that. I'm not expecting him to hop in and do, like, a 30-goal season um, because uh, you just don't see that happen <laughs> um, unless he's, like – I mean, he's been a freak of nature at the AHL level which is great and dandy, but you cannot put so much stock in that because, you know, it could very well, you know, he could very well end up being a fringe 20-goal scorer at the NHL level. You just don't know. So, I mean, that's why that the one-year deal, you know, it gives, you know, because if he comes back and he scores, let's say, you know, knock on wood, he scores like nine goals in like 60 games. Uh, the Red Wings now have the leverage to say, hey, uh, you know, it wasn't so hot. We'll give you another deal. You know, we'll give you like, you know, a slight maybe pay bump to like 800k for another year, and uh, show us that you've made improvements and that you can hack it. And uh, you know, we'll go with that. And uh, and then on the other hand, like JJ said, if he comes out and he does a 20 goal season, then he can come in and he can get a a two year contract where he's playing, you know, getting paid just south of a million bucks. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard situation to fuck up, I think. But then again, I'd, who knows? I'd be very, very, very disappointed if he had nine goals. <laughs> I, I, we had for me, high that, hopes for him. It just had to do that me, joke. Yep. <laughs> the, the magic number is probably 15 for me. If he, if he hits 15, I'm not going to complain. I'd like to see him at least 15 to 20. Again, it all, I don't know how he's going to be used exactly yet. I have higher hopes of his usage just because it's not Babcock coaching the team. He's not going to get buried on the fourth line or he's not going to be playing. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully he's not playing seven minutes a night. Maybe he gets some power play time. But right. I, I, if he hits 15, you will hear zero complaints from me. If he hits nine, again, I'd be a little disappointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely expecting more than 10 goals. Um, so, I don't know. 15 is going to... That's going to depend very heavily on what he does in his power play time and how much power play time he gets. Right, yeah. He's going to he's gonna have to utilize that, yeah. If he is put as the shooter on unit number two, um, 15 is like... That's, all, that's even mildly disappointing. Yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's spending two minutes on the power play per game, like, if he's averaging two minutes of power play time, per, you know, per game throughout the season, then, yeah, 15 goals would be a bit of a a bummer. 
With, so. But with everyone healthy, should he be getting two minutes of power play time per game? I think so. Yeah, anywhere between well, a minute yeah. 40 and 220, yeah. that's roughly second yeah. usage, right? Yeah, he should be hitting He should be hitting that, no problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only people who, who should, the only players who should be hitting under, like, you know, that would be guys who are, you know, just, like, they're either, like, I mean, under Babcock's system, you know, how Drew Miller and Luke Glenn Denning served a certain amount of time because he loved to put them out there when there were 20 seconds left and it seemed like everything was just done for. Um, and then, you know, the, the oddball ones who come in, you know, on a, on a whim or something or, or just like input it into the, uh, I don't know. I can't remember how much white saw on the power play. I know that he saw some power play time, but obviously it wasn't a lot. Because 207 he, per game. Really? Yeah. I just, Jumped on NHL.com because I wanted to know the stats. Yeah, for comparison, like uh, Nestrosil in the 13 games he played for us played 221 per game. Um, yeah, like the 220, like to the two and a half minutes is roughly second power play unit usage. Um, wow. I mean, Darren Helm was at a minute 27 per game, uh, mm-hmm. but that got uh, that bumped up as the season went on. Right. So, yeah, I think around two minutes, um, give or take 30 seconds there, is is about adequate for uh, for expectations on, on Polkman. Okay, so he better score 15 goals. Then, yeah. Well, he better score 20 goals, but yeah. Well, speaking of someone who couldn't score goals last year, the other guy <laughs> that re-signed, Tomas Yurko, um, He's had quite the week re-signing. He was, well, apparently he was close to re-signing, but the digger said he was very far away from re-signing, and then less than 24 hours later, he re-signed. And now he's been talking to the media quite a bit overseas. Uh, we talked about this a little before we started recording here, but, JJ, I just want to get your thoughts on the entire Yurko, week of Yurko. Uh, this is the most fun I've had uh, since the free agent frenzy has, has started. I love just the way that it goes with the the Detroit digger, um, just the, just the way they work. Because originally, uh, yeah, Yurko's, um, yeah, I and I intend to sign, I'm going to sign a two year deal very soon. Could be by the end of the week. That came out on Thursday afternoon. Um, it was found originally by George Malik, um, and then. We reported on it with uh, a little bit more info on what all the, the kind of stuff meant. And then probably, what, 30 minutes later, uh, Plinus tweets out, uh, source from the Red Wings says that they're not close to a deal. And then probably an hour after that, Brendan Savage on MLive posts a story up that says the same thing, only it's less... It, it comes across as less gotcha and more, hey, this is what your is saying, this is what the Red Wings are saying, we'll see what happens. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the, ne- the very next day, <laughs> they announced Yurko assigned a two-year deal, just like he said he was going to do. And uh, <laughs> the Tigers, uh, Plinus was hilarious because he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they got uh, they got so close in only the one day, like still playing up that the person, that the source within the, the Red Wings was telling him the truth. 
like, oh yeah, we weren't close and suddenly we got close rather than, hey, maybe the guy that was talking to me didn't have a good reason to say they were close at all. And uh, <laughs> Savage got a little snippy with a fan. <laughs> Cause, and in yeah, fairness, sure somebody, somebody wrote to him, um, maybe you should you know post a retraction to your story yesterday and to... To Savage's credit, he didn't owe the he didn't owe a retraction. He got told by a source within the Red Wings, and I totally believe that somebody said we're not close, and he reported it as such. That's his damn job, and it sucks for for them. But then again, they're not the one. You know, if if they get tired of that, they can always burn their source or just say, "Hey, my my source is going to say we're not close because it benefits the Red Wings most to say we're not close to a deal. There's no point for them saying, oh yeah, Yurko's right, we're about to sign any minute now, because Yurko has zero leverage in the contract negotiations, except if the Red Wings start telling their press, yeah, he's going to sign any minute. And then, of course, Yurko can always pull back and say, eh, maybe I want $25,000 more. They don't want to do that, it doesn't help. Right. Um, but then after that, he's been... Uh, he's been dropping Vocal. the fire in the Slovakian press. It's, uh, let it's me, uh, great. Yeah, let me... Let me read what uh, what what he allegedly has said to uh, one of the uh, Slovakian media outlets um, as of today. Um, obviously, the question the question was about Detroit's coaching change. Blashell uh, coming in for uh, Babcock, who uh, you know Blashell obviously coached uh, Yurko uh, for the when he was with the Griffins. Um, the um, the reporter asked if it, if it pleased him, and to which Yurko responded, of course, under Coach Babcock, I had a slightly different role than that for which I was used to, and I did not comply. Uh, I did not get many chances, and even though I had on the ice... Do, it, bear with me here, because this is a translated from Slovak, Slovakian, so obviously it's kind of weird. Um under Blaschel, uh, he, see, he basically said that, you know, under Babcock, he wasn't put in a, a you know, in, in a situation where he, where, where, that he was used to. Um, he basically, it, it sounds like that he didn't feel like a hockey player, like that, you know, the type of hockey player that he should be, um, you know. And he, he, he goes on to say that he knows exactly what kind of player he is and I'm speaking about your coach, he knows what kind of player that he is or what he's supposed to be and what he's going to do. And uh, it seems, it sounds like, uh, from what Yurko is saying, is that Babcock just had no idea what kind of player Yurko was supposed to be, what he can be, and what he should be, basically. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's been kind of a progression of it because in the... Uh the article where he said I'm real close to signing, it was basically I want to prove that I'm more than a fourth line player. Although that got right construed by some people to say I didn't, be- I don't belong on the fourth line. Um, and then one posted earlier mm-hmm. today um, was what you just read. You know, I didn't get many chances, even though I was on the ice. I was doing something else under Blashell. Perhaps it will change. Uh, he knows what makes me uh, most useful to the team. And then one posted later. Um, he said, uh, the question was, the authoritative coach, Mike Babcock, who's now heading to Toronto, saw you as a fourth-line player last season. You got six or seven minutes of ice time per game. How did you deal with it? Um, Yurko didn't correct him on the six or seven minutes of ice time per game, but that's not that important. Um, and he said, I had to concentrate on not making mistakes, and my mo- my role was merely to keep the score sheet clean. Um, 
So yeah, it goes on. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had to play. I had to play like that for the uh, the World Championships in the Czech Republic as well. I didn't get a chance to play offensive hockey like I'd like to, but now I'd like the, that opportunity again. So it's kind of he's. He stepped up from saying, I would like to prove I'm more than the fourth line to getting a little bit more, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard because it's it's a translation too, so it's, it's really hard to tell yeah. uh, all the nuance of, of what specifically he's saying, but it is really easy to, to, to read that he is not terribly pulling punches about how much, more, much happier he is with uh, Blashill being at the helm rather than Babcock, and uh, from right. what we've heard... Blashill is very much a player's coach, and Babcock has very much been a uh, "you're going to do what I say." Um, but you know, let's be professional, let's yeah. be every dayers. But I don't have to necessarily be nice to you, and that's. There, I mean, there's something to be said about that. But uh, Babcock has had great success, but for the kids, and this is a, a kid-heavy team, all of a sudden, um, right? You know, I'm I'm pretty happy with with Blashill's direction more. I also did like that yeah, they I'm, asked him like straight up. Uh, Detroit is known as a dangerous and unfriendly city. For more than 20 years, supposedly <laughs> the deadliest in the U.S. Even the automotive industry declared bankruptcy in 2013. But the NHL team and you live there, nevertheless, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a question you, you'd never get. Although it, the American press would definitely ask somebody who was playing in Sochi about how like the dog problem and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he says, I don't have any unpleasant experiences in the city center, which is still moving. I live in an apartment 25 minutes from the city in Royal Oak. I like it very much, and I've got everything I need. Detroit, however, is working on many new things, and there is a resurgence, like, uh, I think it's Kosich, where he's from. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's very uh, a good diplomatic answer from him, too. I think the kid is wise beyond his years. Yeah, he's a smart kid. He's, uh, yeah, I, I have, you know... You know what's funny is like I got I fell into the rabbit hole of when we signed him to the two year deal, um, reading like the fan reaction, which is obviously always <laughs> a terrible, terrible mistake. Um, apparently, people a lot of fans don't like him. They think he's yeah. I was really surprised by that. Like I I I, I mean I was kind of shocked. I was like really. I mean I get it. He wasn't exactly. He wasn't. He didn't put up a, a crap ton of points. But I mean, does do, do people just not understand what you know he had to play through and what he had to you know where he was put? Like Yurko is not. I don't. He's just not a fourth line player. He is not a guy who should be playing the plug minutes and you know on a checking line. You know, yeah, he's a big guy. You know, he has a big frame. He can skate pretty. He can skate pretty well, but. The kid needs to be with players who can actually, you know, put put something up there, like you know, and and, and you know, when he's starting so many shifts in the defensive zone, you're kind of doing him a disservice, I think, uh, as a, as a coach. Um, you know, I think that playing with players like Glenn Denning and uh, uh, um, Miller is just really, I don't know. It's a little bit harder to score just, with those guys. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I mean, I know it's weird because Glenn Denning is just, you know, prolific scoring forward, but... 
Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, there's been a few different like versions of the unhappy with the Yurko signing, and like the very first one that I came across, like probably two minutes after we actually uh, we put out the story about his signing. Um, mm-hmm. One of the very first Twitter responses was like, "We shouldn't have resigned him at all," and so I, uh, yeah. I kind of uh, force unfollowed that person from the whim feed because I didn't want to hear any more of that garbage. <laughs> don't tell that per- don't tell that one person I did that though. Um, he might get mad. I'm not going to. I don't get that. Like no, he's I guess. he's, uh, he's going to be 23 in December. Like you don't just throw kids like that out, especially after they give Joachim Anderson another contract. Like you're going to throw Yurko out because he didn't score enough. Um, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. And then there's the right. uh, like the knee jerk response to the comments he's been making. Um, you know, he's a, he's a prima donna. He thinks he's better than the Red Wings. Uh, he he thinks he's you know too good to work hard. And that's not really what I've I've read into. I don't like, get I don't, that from. Yeah, I didn't. I like when I read his comments, I don't get that at all. Yeah, he spent all goddamn season last year working hard on the fourth line, and I don't it, never heard a complaint from him. Never saw any complaints in the the Slovakian press right. or any of the other press about how he was unhappy. He just he did his damn job. He didn't complain. He struggled with it because it was a hard job for him to do, and it was, um, you know, to trying to shove a, a round peg into a square hole. But now mm-hmm. he's it's the off season. He's in his home country. He's a little bit more. You know, he's being honest. And I yeah. love it. it. It's freaking refreshing. I, I wish we could get this kind of honesty in the United States from from players. Although technically, we kind of do get that from Mitch Callahan, and he annoys me. But <laughs> I guess we can't have it both ways. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I think that I, I definitely don't read into it like he's like he's some kind of like cocky, like hot shot dickhead like. Um, he just, I think he knows what kind of hockey player he is, and he knows that he has not been used like that kind of a hockey player, and he also knows that, hey, I actually, I probably shouldn't be down on myself because I've been completely misused in so many ways. Um, maybe when I get a chance to, you know, actually play the minutes I should be playing, um, you know, shit's going to fall into place for me and for my team and for the whiny fans that watch me and want to complain about me. All right, Kyle. You mentioned shit falling into place. Yeah. We know the roster. Oh, we God. know what players are there. Oh, God. We have to do... We're gonna we're gonna transition to my favorite segment, roster basing. <laughs> all right, and we have to put all the players in their place as the team is currently constructed. Yep. Let's assume that Datsuk starts the season. Do we, do we want Datsuk healthy or on long term IR? Uh, well, we I want to start healthy, him on, on long term IR. But we want him yeah, healthy. Yeah, he's gonna have yeah. to start. Obviously, so, so I always want Datsuk opening Datsuk night. Healthy. Opening night, no Datsuk. Probably no Franzen. What's what do your lines look like? What's your roster? JJ, you go first. <laughs> you asshole! I want to go. First. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really depends heavily for me on like what exactly you want to do with our centers. Um, like, is well, Zetterberg you're in charge, so what do you? I want know. To do I'm. 
I'm introing in. Let the man talk. Fuck. It, <laughs> I'm trying to waste time so I can come up with a, a solution. So I can figure out what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if we want Zetterberg back at center. I think he can center a line. I think he can center a top two line. Um, I'm worried that the later, the latter half of last season is indicative of, of what we're going to get more than the first half of yeah. last season. Um, so I think I'm going to start Zetterberg off at, at wing. I'm just going to play like initial thought is Zetterberg Richards and Ablocator, um, right. As a top line. And then from there it gets, it gets kind of weird. Cause I don't like, I think during the month of October, I would be comfortable with Shan being the, t- the second center, but I don't know for how long. Um, mm-hmm. I would just throw that kid line back together. The the line that essentially Blashill said, uh, we know they can be good at the, at the NHL level. They've got to take the next step and really take on top six competition. So let's make it Nyquist, Shane, and Tatar as our second line. Um, then mm-hmm. to find space for him, I'm going to move Helm back to center. Uh, to yeah. center the third line between Yurko and Polkinen, and that's going to be a sheltered line. Uh, Helm is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting defensively, but I think that they're going to. Uh, I think they're going to take advantage of other teams' third lines. And then down mm-hmm. in the fourth, I've got uh, Miller, Glendening, and Ferraro. Um, mm-hmm. Miller moves over to the left wing, even though he played on the right most of last season, just because Ferraro's the right shot. So play him where he belongs. Right. Um, and then Anderson and Callahan is as 13 and 14 until people get healthy and we can uh, move Callahan uh, into a rocket ship to the sun. Another option <laughs> is, and I think that this, uh, that we don't move Helm to the third line center and instead what we do is we keep Larkin up. Parker, um, you stole my idea. <laughs> the only question there is like, I don't know if I want Helm as like the third line left winger like Helm, Larkin, and Polkanen, um, because I think Helm's experience would really help would really help him on the line with Larkin. I, th- I think that would help Larkin kind of understand what's going on a little bit better. Um, and then in that case, I've got Yurko on the fourth line with Glendening and Miller, just like last year, uh, and he'll just have to suck it up until uh, until he bumps somebody off. Mm-hmm. I, I like those are right, my two options. Just, I think I'm leaning more towards Larkin being on on the third line because I just well, see I'll give you what I got. Um, All right, and this is diff- it's different from what you were saying because um, here's here's my uh, my way of thinking here. Um, I think the Red Wings are obviously a transitioning hockey team. And what I mean by transitioning means uh, you're getting you should be preparing to shed contracts that you have on your team right now that likely aren't going to fit into the future. Um, so with that being said, you always have to plan for death who's being out. Like in 2017, you have to plan for that. Um, maybe he comes back on a one-year deal. At that point, do you still want him? Who knows? Um, but as I have it right now, I don't want Zetterberg at center. Um, I don't think he's fast enough to be a center. At, the, at like a top like a top line center, he's not fast enough. He's fragile, um, so I'm I'm just not a big fan of that. Um, so in that, I mean, it, it, but the see the, the thing is is that so is Richards. 
you know, he he's old. He's older. I mean, he's older than Zetterberg, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's older than Zetterberg. Um, but I think he's quicker than Zetterberg. Um, so, I don't know. It's tough to say, but I personally, my top line would probably be uh, uh, Zetterberg wing, Nyquist wing, Richard center. Um, and then you would uh, have your second line. I would have it as um, you're going to have Shane as your second line center. You're going to have Tatar. And then uh, you're going to have Yurko. You're going to throw Yurko right into the mix. If it doesn't work, you throw him to the fourth line. That's that. Um, so uh, third line. Uh, how I have it is uh, you, I'm going to have Larkin. I'm going to have Polkinen. Then I'm going to have a guy. Uh, let me see. Who do I have here? I think I've already screwed everything up already. Uh, yeah, I mean, so right then, right then and there, I'd have, uh, I'd have Larkin, I'd have Helm, I'd have Polkinen. And then my fourth line, your fourth line would essentially be the same thing. Uh, I'm missing Applicator, aren't I? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I was wondering if you're but trading it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I can, I would. No, I'm sorry. I completely screwed this up. Let me go ahead and go back. All right, so Advocator. Um, okay, yeah, okay, I got it now. You got Advocator. You got uh, Richards. You got um, uh, Nyquist. Or I'm God damn it, Advocator, Richards, Zetterberg. Okay, bear with right. me. I suck at rockturbation. Okay. So now you're going to move Nyquist down to the circle, uh, the uh, the uh, second line to where I had Yurko. So you'd essentially have uh, Nyquist, Shane, Tatar, and then you'd move um, Yurko down to the third line. So you would uh, you would have a Polkinen, Larkin, Yurko line, and then you would bump Ferraro to the um, to the extra forward, and you'd move Helm to the fourth line because I don't think that Helm should, like, he shouldn't be a part of this. Like, he's obviously not, a, like, a part of the future, in my opinion. I think it's time for them to start transitioning themselves out of Darren Helm. Um, obviously, he's a great player. You know, you can use him in situations. But, I mean, Darren Helm isn't a 50, like, a 50 to 60-point 60 player on a consistent basis, in my opinion. Um, the only reason he was so successful, I think, is because of Pavel Datsu. Um, and he's not going to have that. So um, I think that a top six with down the middle, obviously, since yeah, I, I'm, I'm not – if Richards doesn't look good, then you can obviously swap him in in Zetterberg around and try and make it work somehow. Um, that that top – that first line is going to be huge, huge question mark and a huge worry. But I think if you go with a top line – of uh, Advocator, Richards, um, Zetterberg, and then you have that, that second line of Nyquist, uh, Shane, Tatar, and the third line of uh, uh, Polkinen, Larkin, and Yurko. I think it's a really, really solid top set. Yeah, I agree. Although I do think that if you've got... Uh, Zetterberg with Richards and Abdelkader, uh, you had better be prepared to run that line the hell away from 
uh, speedy matchups when other coaches well, get that opportunity. And the thing is, is that I had I had this like I had a a thought in my mind while you were talking, JJ. I was like, why don't we just like you know get a little risky here and put a guy like uh, Riley Shan as your number one first, first, you know, your first line center. Why not give it a shot? Um, it's just as terrifying as having Brad Richards as your first line center, I think. Um, no, nah, I think it's a little more terrifying. I don't think so. I really don't. I really like Shane. I think that he's developing a really good hockey sense. I think he's developing into um, perhaps being as smart a player as Richards is right now. Um, yeah. With a, uh, a, you know, just about the same kind of size, only, you know, also lots younger. Uh, but I don't think he's right. there yet. I think that uh, that Shahan, um, in true top line duties, uh, would get eaten alive, where Richard's experience would give him uh, a few more uh, tips and tricks uh, to be able to, to overcome the disadvantages um, of yeah. not being as fast as Shahan is. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was one of those things where I was just like, ooh, maybe that's a, a fun idea. I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's just me roster-baiting, of course. But um, the, yeah, I'm just yeah. imagining that, that Hank and Richards and Abdelkader uh, playing against the kid line in Tampa and um, that getting caved in. Yeah, that's just, that's terrifying. And I don't think Nyquist, Shahan, Tatar as the second line are are going to fare much better against, like, say, a Phil Plus Stampo, their Stamkos group. So, right. I don't know. Just be ready to to run away from from that and hope that your your defensive pairings, which, I mean, it's pretty obvious what we're going to have in the top four. And then, I don't know, because the the thing is, we're dealing with all the preservation is that the Red Wings right now are one point five million dollars over the cap. Yeah. Probably. I mean, the issue is that we've got two. We've got two sites that say that they've got a seven hundred and forty thousand bonus overage. Um, one site that has not yet to confirm that. Uh, about half of our diggers do agree with the one uh, with the roughly one point five million dollar over number. Uh, they get relief with that with Datsuk. If Franzen is done for the year, it is absolutely no worry. They don't have to make a move. But if Franzen is going to try to make a comeback and Datsuk is going to be back at any time, uh, we have to move money out. And it makes the most sense to move an extra defenseman so that we can get the Marchenko, let uh, you know, one of those two in the lineup. And then, right. um, obviously, you're going to have Green to Kaiser that Blashill has kind of hinted that he may want to use as a top pair. Um, Cronwall Erickson, which you apparently can't split up for whatever reason, um, because they're besties, regardless of how much. Um, Erickson drags Cronwell down. Yeah, they suck. So I guess in your third pairing, until we hear something different, is probably going to be Smith-Quincy, which was god-awful as a second pair under Babcock, but I don't know if they could handle... I don't know if they've matured enough to the point where they could handle that, or I guess you go with Smith-Kindle or Kindle-Quincy, or I don't know. None of that is, is terrifyingly comfortable to think about as a third pair, but the good news is it's just the third pair. Right, yeah. Um, the thing is, is that if you have a pair, like the third pair, like let's say you have Smith-Quincy, you essentially have Quincy who is, you know, he's not an, a guy who's going to put up points. That's not his, that's not his way. Um, 
and I, uh, clearly that's not how Smith is either. So um, the thing with the third pair is that I would really like to have somebody there in a sheltered role who is, you know, seeing easier minutes, who can, you know, put up points, who can shoot the fucking puck accurately. Not one of those Brendan Smith, you know, slap shots that just smacks the back, you know, behind the net and, you know, the back of the, you know, the glass. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I don't, obviously, Quincy Smith, that was nightmare fuel when they were together. But, you know, on a third pair, it's easier to digest. Um, I still think that one of the biggest weak points of the team is the fact that you have a declining fringe top pair defenseman and a boat anchor as your top pair. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the biggest concern for me as it has been over the past couple of years. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I, I'm honestly more open to the idea of Dick Eiser and Green being a top pair kind of thing. Like, I'm open to that idea. Hey, you know um, what we missed? What? Uh, we missed Jeff giving his lines because he loves this shit. Oh, Jesus. No. Go ahead, Jeff. I've been, no, I've just been over here rosterbating in the corner by myself. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Come join the circle, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> a lot of the lines you guys had mentioned, I had rosterbated in the past. Uh, so I, I, I tried things a little different. Uh, I took into account, I believe, when Richards was signed or at some point, when Blashill wanted to put Datsuk, Zetterberg, and Advocator back together, Datsuk was happy about playing wing and not having to play star anymore. So I took yeah. that into account. And I also remember a Blashill interview at some point where he mentioned the idea that Riley Shayan could see some time on the wing, whether he was oh, right. throwing shit at the wall. So I went with... Nyquist, Zetterberg, Ablocator. You keep Zetterberg in the center spot, Ablocator on the wing. You figure Nyquist is just there until that Duke returns. My second line went a little crazy here. Second and third line, a little off the wall. Yurko, Richards, and Tatar. Yurko gets a shot in the top six. My third line, the end line, Sheehan, Larkin, and Polkinen. Put Sheehan on the wing. I love Larkin, and I want him to play every single game. Polkinen deserves to be in the top six. <laughs> at least top nine. We always already talked about why he should be in the top nine. We figured he'd be in that third line. And the fourth line, Miller, Glendening, and Helm. Helm needs to be on the fourth line. It's what he's going to eventually be if he sticks with this team past his contract, next, what ends after next season. He's going to be, you know, Chris Draper, I guess we could say. He's going to be the old guy, has some speed, plays defense to a on the fourth line. The... Defense, whatever you guys covered that. Nothing, not, not too much we can go there. But no, I'm I'm kind of in love with my third line right now. That's about it, though. Damn, Jeff, that is some good advanced rosterbation. <laughs> Fancy rosterbation. Like, you guys have been there, done like the rosterbation you guys are doing. I was there three months ago. I've moved beyond that. Um, now I'm into like the advanced rosterbation stuff. Like I can't even <laughs> get a roster together unless there's a rope around my neck. <laughs> that is really inappropriate. 
I mean, you guys just don't understand. I get home from work <laughs> at like one in the morning. And I'm I know, up to like three thirty all night. Joe Joe's over on the West Coast. Sometimes Michelle's up. We we do some group observation chats. It, it, <laughs> you guys miss out on all this when you're sleeping at night. I know. Yeah, it's, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we jump into our next topic of discussion, from both of you, just real quick, how you see possibly the power plays shaking out uh, opening night. Who do you want to see where? Just real quick. I don't think we should, but we've covered the lines enough. Let's just get touch on that real quick. Yeah, personally, I think uh, Richards is going to be... The thing is, is that Richards is probably best used on the points just because of what he's done in the past. He's usually been a point guy, it seems. Um, but, I mean, that can change, obviously. Um, but my top power play unit would probably be uh, Nyquist, Richards, Tatar. And then on uh, defense, I would have uh, Cronwall and Green. And then uh, on your second, your second unit, you would uh, get a little bit um, you would roll uh, four forwards. Um, you would do uh, uh, Zetterberg, Shahan, um, and then you would do. See, this is where it gets weird because I don't know if I'd put Polkinen on the wing, but I, I mean, I'd probably put Polkinen on the wing, and then um, on my on my uh, my defense, I'd put DeKaiser, and then uh, probably throw in like you know a Smith or a Kindle. Um, <laughs> and essentially what I do is as soon as the face-off is won, Polkinen would just rotate right to the point and then um, and then whatever defenseman would take his spot right on the wing. So you would add that gun right there to that to the point. Um, and obviously on the on the first pair you wouldn't have to do that because you have green. So but that's what I would do. Because you would be putting Polkinen in in a position where he needs to be on the power play, but you wouldn't be put you'd be putting him on it, you know, on a you know, on a second pair. It wouldn't be like a top or a, not a second pair, but a second unit, not a top unit that would be seeing potentially tougher competition. Yeah, I think I like your setup. Um although I would have both of those units play a different end zone setup. Um on the uh, the second unit, I would center it around Polkadon. I would turn it into what the Washington Capitals do as far as getting Ovechkin open um, in the circle, just to blast one-timers. Uh, Tampa does it with Stamkos, too, um, where it is more of an umbrella setup, but it's kind of uh, an overload to um, the side away from Polkadon, uh, where they box up around there, um, and they... they will pass it literally from the very side of the net up to the half wall, into the slot, back to the point, all to get that one right-handed shot blasting away. Uh, where right. the top unit, where I've got Cronwall and Green up at the point, I would treat that much more like the old time when we had Lindstrom and Rafalski up there. Uh, there's a lot more movement coming from the top. Uh, the only difference there from the old Lindstrom and Rafalski days is I don't think we have a Holmstrom, and I think that we should kind of abandon the concept of having a true stand in front of the net and just kind of get mm-hmm. in the way uh, in favor of doing more cuts across the middle to get uh, just, and the guys at the points can time their shots. Um, Green can use his ability to uh, to dance up with the blue line to uh, create more room uh, to make 
to give a shooting space in the slot that either he can move into or Nyquist or, or even Richards can move into from there. Um, and Cronwall can basically do the same thing. And, and it's literally just uh, there's just too much good puck movement from that unit to uh, to stop it all. I like it. You should be a coach. I would be very bad at that. Not as bad as Babcock. I'd be better than Randy Carlisle. I do know how to work a toaster. Yeah. Speaking of other coaches. (laughs) Okay. So you should tell us what your ideal power play masturbation would be, Jeff. Oh, I was just gonna. If you if you really want that, I can tell you. Uh, mm-hmm. I do. Ideally, for my power play would be uh, Brennan Smith, Brennan Smith, Brennan Smith, <laughs> Timo Polkinen, and Dylan Larkin. <laughs> so, any way I can get. You want to set a record for shorthanded goals against? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's all I'm looking for. Uh, no, Brennan Smith should get some power play time. I don't really care how you line it up and make that happen. Just fucking figure it out, Blasio. I can play in front of the net. Sure. Yeah. I'm poking it, blast bucks at him until it solves the defensive log jam. I'm, yeah, you I'm want okay to try to Zidane Ochara. He should try and beat <laughs> Zidane Ochara. Yeah. yeah, Zidane Ochara is old and washed up. And speaking of Zidane Ochara... He plays in the Red Wings division, the Atlantic, and also their conference, the Eastern Conference. So I think we should take a look at how things are stacking up for the division and conference and try to figure out where the Wings are going to stand against them. Okay. So let's just start with the Atlantic. The Wings division, they were top three team last year. We expect them to be a top three team again this year. Will they move up and win the division? I uh, think so. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think they can top Tampa. Like I just think Tampa's too good. I think there's, you know, a few steps ahead of them. Uh, but I do think that they could be a top two team because <laughs> I think that. The halves they're gonna they're gonna I think they're gonna crash. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think that they can rely on Carey Price doing what they do again and yeah. Tarion is like the that's gotta be it's gotta be such a he's French Randy Carlisle. Yeah, it's gotta be so frustrating because I think uh Bergevin is actually mm-hmm. a good GM and he keeps making good moves like I like the the Alex Semen one year one point one million dollar uh, deal, but he still has to play Semen under Terrian, and I right. I do not see how that's going to work out. That's a team that makes a lot of defensive mistakes. They've got some good offensive uh, firepower, um, but their scoring depth is questionable, um, and I just don't think that uh, that Price is going to be able to bail them out as much. I I don't think that Montreal got worse, but I don't think they got better either. And I think, although there was a 10-point difference between Montreal and Detroit in the standings, I think Detroit got better. Um, and yeah, I think okay. that Montreal was blown up by... I, I think that they they were more than... They were almost 10 points too high from where they should have been. 
Tampa is basically the same team, and uh, they were better than Detroit last year. So I don't know how. I mean, other than injuries and, and luck, and I mean, there's lots of ways that, that we could beat them. But if if the season goes the way that it that it should, if, if hockey works the way that it should, I think Tampa's still the better team. Um, so if Dylan Larkin comes out and has a 60, 70 point season, then we should be better than them. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. The teams that finished under Detroit, I don't think Ottawa got any better. I think Boston got significantly worse. I think Florida is probably going to be able to squeeze out a few more points, but I don't think it's going to be a huge leap. I think that their their kids made kind of a huge leap last year, and I think it's it's going to kind of plateau a little bit. I think that they're a better team than, than garbage, but I don't think they're that good. Um, Toronto is going to be a garbage uh, they're going to be a tire fire all year. And Buffalo is going to go through some learning pains. I think that they've got the biggest chance of jumping a lot of teams in, in the division, but I don't think they're there yet. So, yeah, I think Detroit is pretty solidly a top three team in the in the division and uh, and has a real good chance of being a top two team. All right. So just based off of what you guys said, you say Tampa's won, Detroit's, Based off of everything we know right now, everyone being healthy, Detroit's two, you put Montreal three. So those are your three Atlantic teams to make the playoffs automatically. Now, if we jump over to the Metro and we go a little more big picture Eastern Conference here, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter recently that you get three Atlantic teams and five Metro teams this year. Do you guys agree that that's the case? Will a team like Ottawa or Boston be able to get one of those wild card spots or is it all you, you have to finish in that top three this year? Well, I don't think Boston's a wild card team. I don't think they're going to be a wild card team by any means. Um, was that what you were asking? I'm sorry, Jeff. No, I was basically asking is, is right, is, is there anyone in the Atlantic that has the ability to be a wild card team, or will we see five from the Metro this year based off their off-season moves? With Saad going to the Blue Jackets, Kessel going to the Penguins. I mean, who am I forgetting? The Rangers are over there. The Islanders are over there. Washington's over there. They made some moves this year. I mean, that's five teams a lot of people are pegging to make the playoffs out of the Metro. Do one of those teams miss, or do they secure both the wild cards over there? Is it basically the year where you have to be top three in the list division to make it? I think there's a real good chance of it happening. I'm not going to put that as a stone cold lock, but uh, the top five teams in the Metro last year, the Rangers, Washington, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. Uh, Philadelphia was five points behind Columbus last year. I think Philadelphia still continues to tread water. Um, I think that's pretty good ordering, but New Jersey, I think, is going to be worse than they were last year, and Carolina is still treading water. Toronto is probably, although I don't know how far Toronto is going to move back in the in the Atlantic, but I think Buffalo is getting better. I think the Atlantic has more spoiler teams now than the Metropolitan does. I think the bottom of the Metropolitan is significantly worse than the bottom of the Atlantic now, and I think right. that's going to make a big difference in how many points are available within each division. I think Buffalo's got a shot to, to sneak into a wild card. I mean, O'Reilly, no. Eichel. No, I think Buffalo could be, I, I think they could honestly be this year's Winnipeg where they can sneak in and then get uh, run back out in four games straight. I don't but, think they have any defense then, but if if you yeah. had to pick a team 
to be, I guess, this year's Winnipeg or, you know, the, the team that clearly missed the playoffs last year but sneaks in this year. I mean, no one expected Ottawa to get in last year either. Like, is, is, it, is that a Buffalo? Is it, I know, J.J., you mentioned Florida, but they were kind of in it a little bit. I think, yeah, I think my, my knee jerk there is Florida just because they have probably one of the future, like, I think Ekblad's going to be, like, one of the, like, top guys in, like, NHL history. I think he's going to be that good. Um, he's just, I don't know, I get that. He's got that swagger to him. Um, and then, you know, they have Luongo, who is, he's still one of, a really great goalie. Um, and then they have a core of forwards that are all really good. Um, so, I don't know. I think they could slide in. Um, it just depends. I mean, it, it really depends on the uh, um, the, the Metro. Um, I mean, I still think um, Washington is a, is a team that can make it. I think Columbus is a team that can likely make it if they can stay healthy. Um, you know, it's it, it's it just, I don't know. I guess it all depends. But I think I see Florida being the one team that could probably sneak in, um, but at that time, but I still think that they would be a, like, one and done, you know, like, one round, and they're just, they're, they just get worked. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because Riley I would consider Florida, oh, they, they do have Riley Smith now, I would consider Florida to be sneaking in, um, I don't think I would consider Columbus to be sneaking in if they made it, even though Florida actually finished ahead of Columbus in the standings last season, um, but yeah, Florida is an easier it's an easier team to say because they missed the playoffs by seven points. Uh, they finished in, ahead of Buffalo by forty-seven points. So right. I mean, it's hard to say that, that Buffalo is going to sneak that far up the standings. Obviously, uh, there it, there's a huge difference in in what's going on in Buffalo now. But yeah, I'm not sure that they've made that that big a leap. Um, mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about a non-playoff team sneaking into the playoffs, uh, Dallas has to be a good candidate for that. Um, they missed the playoffs. Edmonton? By, I, I don't still think don't think they're going to. Edmonton won't. Oh, I mean, I guess we have to... Edmonton's almost in the same boat that uh, that Buffalo's in, except Edmonton didn't grab any... Like, they didn't get their Ryan O'Reilly. They've still got uh, crap as far as uh, defensemen. But they they don't have, have zero defensemen. Yeah, they've got Sakara and Darnell Nurse. Yeah, I mean, they need a lot of guys to take steps forward um, in their development. That I'm just not sure is is going to happen. Um, and I don't think that uh, that McDavid is going to be that uh, that huge of a difference maker in his very first year. Now it's, it's weird because I don't think Eichel's going to be either, but I do think that Buffalo is a better team than Edmonton right now. Yeah. Wow. See, I would probably peg Edmonton as a better team than Buffalo. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I guess it depends. Who's playing goalie for Ed, or for Buffalo? Leonard. Okay, so he's a decent goalie. He's a he's a guy who could probably be a starter. Who, who does Edmonton have? Didn't they get? Oh yeah, they got a uh, what's his nuts from uh, New York. Talbot. <laughs> Talbot. <laughs> oh man, that's a we, we should we should make a wager on this. 
I think they're both going to miss the playoffs. They both suck. Who cares? Yeah, I don't whoever finishes higher in the standing, I either buy both of you a beer or you buy me a beer. All right, the first bet of the season. Yeah, I'll take that. Buffalo I'll take makes Buffalo, it. Buffalo will be better than I've been ten. Great. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Me too. Guys, I'm sick of hearing about it. Uh, one thing I'm not sick of hearing about though is the Red Wings prospects. And yeah. we are now going to toss it to Michelle, our prospect expert, with the weekly prospects report. The NHL Prospects Tournament is an annual event held at Center Ice Arena in Traverse City, Michigan. And it's a five-day tournament where eight NHL teams bring their best and brightest prospects in for a highly skilled, fast-paced, intense round of games, basically to see what they can do. Uh, It's a great learning and development tool for the NHL clubs because the level of playing competition is on par with what you'd find in the American Hockey League. General managers, coaches, scouts, and fans pack the arena to watch the upcoming NHL stars compete against each other in real game situations, situations that you're not able to watch and evaluate in a development camp or a training camp, you know, where it's scrimmages and friendly competition kids are going all out this is where they are they're auditioning to try and make their ahl teams or their nhl teams it's pretty incredible to watch this year's tournament is going to be september 11th through the 15th and anyone is able to attend and if you can make it up i wholeheartedly recommend doing it it's really a chance to get a look at some of the kids that are going to be the future of the NHL uh, and really see what they can do now, but also where they're at in their development. Seven of the eight teams from last year are going to be returning again this year, uh, as well as one new addition that's going to be kind of exciting. The Red Wings, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, Minnesota Wild, New York Rangers, and St. Louis Blues will all be returning for the 2015 tournament. But we've also added the Chicago Blackhawks for the first time, which I think is pretty exciting. Um, They're going to be replacing the Buffalo Sabres, who have attended for the last several years, um, but will not be there this year. None of the official team rosters have been finalized or released yet, and those probably won't start coming out until mid to late August. And of course, we'll have updates uh, as soon as the rosters are released, not only for the Red Wings, but for the other teams. And then we'll have full coverage during the tournament as well. I've posted highlights on my YouTube channel the last couple years of the games. And when you watch them, it's almost like watching an American Hockey League game. In development camp, you get to watch individual aspects of their games. You know, you do skating drills and you do shooting drills and you do puck protection drills and you do all these different exercises that work on individual pieces that make up a player's game. And then they get to come back in the prospects tournament and put all those individual pieces together, all the things they've learned so far over the summer, and go out there and compete as hard as they can against players who have a little bit of NHL experience or maybe who were in the AHL last year. It helps them understand better maybe what they need to work on, what they need to prepare for. Uh, and, and really what they're going to experience at the next level. It is an invaluable resource. 
And there's one other really special thing that's happening this year. The trophy that's awarded to the champion of the NHL Prospects Tournament has been renamed the Matthew Weist Memorial Cup. And for anybody that doesn't know who he is, he is the founder of CapGeek. And he, he ran that site. He started it, which... I mean, we all know, like, was an incredible resource. I mean, I, I still feel lost without it sometimes, without the ability to go and look up, you know, salaries and contracts and details. Um, but he also had a passion for Red Wings prospects, and he started, developed, and maintained Red Wings Central, which was where I went when I first started really getting into prospects. And it was just, it was such an incredible resource. It was my go-to for any information on the prospects. And he did all of that because he loved it and because he was passionate about it. He never looked for recognition. He, he did it because it was something that he loved. And I'm really proud of the Red Wings for renaming this trophy in his honor to give a little something back in recognition of all that he did and of his passion. So we'll keep all you guys updated. We'll have the full rosters once they come out. Uh, we'll post it at Wingin' It in Motown, and then we'll have full coverage of the camp, as I mentioned before. And if anybody is able to come to this tournament and even just come watch one of the games, uh, do it. I don't think anybody could possibly be disappointed. It's even fun to come and watch not just the Red Wings play, but some of the other teams and their prospects, too. It should be another great tournament this year. So, again, thank you to Michelle for the prospects report. Um, our plan is to do this as on a, I should say, weekly basis, or every time, every week we produce a podcast, we'll get a prospects report from Michelle. Just wrapping up whatever the hell's going on with the kids down on the farm. Um, you know, the prospects tournament takes place in Traverse City every year. Of course, Traverse City was not one of the cities to officially put in a, a bid for an expansion team. Uh, guys, there was a lot of talk <laughs> about. Seattle and obviously Vegas and Quebec and maybe a sleeper city in there somewhere. But the league only got two official bids, uh, one from Vegas and one from Quebec. Did you know? Did any of this shock you? I guess should were you surprised to see Seattle not put their name in the ring? Yeah, uh, I honestly thought Seattle was like going to be a lock, like for a, for at least a, a, an application. Um, um, I, I was I was certainly shocked. I thought there's going to be at least three teams, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of bummed because I think uh, an NHL team in Seattle would do really really well. Um, you know, you're just a stone's throw from Vancouver. I think that could be a nasty rivalry, and it could be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I want there to be a Seattle Supersonics NHL team because I think that'd be hilarious. Well, they'd have to be basketball. Never mind. Well, well whatever. I, we, I got it. I just basketball stuff. All right. Okay. <laughs> Enough. Please like my sport. JJ, hate any thoughts on the application? Yeah. I also agree that I was shocked with Seattle, although I think that. Like, I don't know what to think specifically about whether or not they just are assuming, well, fuck it, we can always wait for a relocation, in which case we don't have to have an expansion bid. Um, mm-hmm. 
because the Coyotes and the Panthers are going to be coming here anytime soon now. Um, or whether it was like literally like they don't have their shit together yet. Uh, what the NHL has said since then, especially that like very passive aggressive, it was very clear we only had two serious bids. Um, like kind of took me by surprise because they 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 seem to be taking a shot at Seattle there, and then they said they were going to be talking with Seattle. Um, yeah, but I guess I, I, it's probably not proper to to close the door on the Seattle concept. But yeah, having missed that deadline is it was a surprise to me. Um, Vegas, I think we knew was going to happen. I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't announce it earlier, but they had to have this weird. Um, you know, white smoke process of, of you know, who, who submitted bids. Uh, Quebec City, I thought that they were, I thought they were a year farther off, but I guess, you know, you get the interested team and you start the process and they're not going to get a, an expansion team in the NHL until at least the 2017-18 season anyway, so hell, you might right. as well start it now. It's not like you got the 20 or the $10 million expansion application fee burning a hole in your pocket. You might as well spend it. You're right. Uh, I was actually listening to uh, the Merrick Wyshynski podcast on my drive back from uh, Pennsylvania, and they had a some sports reporter, writer guy from Seattle on talking expansion, and he basically just said that there's a couple groups out there, but none of them have the money. Like they didn't have the big time investors to where that if you know they, it's what a ten dollar. It was a $10 million application fee, $2 million of that non-refundable, but then it's going to be like $500 million for actual expansion fee, and they just couldn't pay that, so they weren't going to waste their money if they weren't didn't have the financial backers. Um, I personally don't think the, the NHL is going to give up on Seattle, whether it's expansion or relocation. It just seems they want to get in that city, and it makes sense as, Kyle mentioned with Vancouver right there, you got the natural rival. It, it's a city that's shown they can support sports teams that may not be super mainstream as you know, with the the Sounders or whatever their soccer team there. So I I, I hope it gets done. I, I'd like to see a team there and obviously it fixes the issue of conference imbalance and you get Vegas, you get Seattle, perfect. Thirty two teams, eight in each division or whatever. And Quebec, sorry, Canada, tough shit. But obviously, if there's no money and there's no rank, then I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I guess, I mean, if we move forward with the assumption that it's going to be uh, just Vegas and, and Quebec in the next expansion, then we have to wonder, okay, what does that do? Because right now, the East has 16 teams, the West has 14 teams. You add one to the East and one to the West, and it's just, things get screwy. It makes more sense to... Well, Bettman did say to Amelie Benjamin on, I think her she posted it Sunday last, last I don't know if it was yesterday or last Sunday, I don't really remember my days much from the previous week. Uh, <laughs> he said potentially Quebec, if they, you know, Quebec and Vegas were granted expansion teams and they both start, they may have to start in the West, a la Winnipeg starting in the West before, or excuse me, starting in the East before going West and everything back in the day when Atlanta moved, so I mean that's a possibility. Before, yeah, but it's they're, not. They're temporarily not a, till relocation. Yeah, it's definitely not a permanent thing. It's yeah, right. they do it. They, it's because when Winnipeg started out, 
they moved so late in the summer that literally there wasn't time to realign everything before that happened. So if it we happened... Do a new schedule. Yeah, where Quebec comes comes in and into the West, and it's literally only been one year, and it's not going to matter anyway. Um, except right. for shitty travel year for the new Nordiques, but I don't give a shit about them. Fuck Quebec. So, <laughs> who moves back West? Detroit? Columbus. Columbus. I can't see any yeah. reason to move Detroit back. Yeah, no, fuck the NHL. Um, if they want to try and pull that shit, then I, like, oh, God, they can just fuck right off. I mean, and I, you know, but you, most other, you have to save Columbus. Why? What? Well, but the NHL might look at it as, I'm just going to double that here, but they might say, okay, well, Columbus needs East more than Detroit needs East. Because Columbus needs no. the, the the time zone, the close rivalry with Pittsburgh, Detroit. You move them west, they're going to survive. They're going to be fine. They're going to make money. Whatever. They got the new rink, all that stuff. No, they're not going I anywhere. They, Columbus isn't traditional. I think no, because they they're still going to get the one game against Pittsburgh. Um, they're going to draw a shitload of Chicago fans. Um, Nashville is actually fully established as a hockey city nowadays, so that rivalry will help them out. Um, I think Columbus can move back west, and there's enough familiarity with those western teams that, that they'll they'll be totally fine with being able to do that. Um, where I think that they want Detroit in the east more than, than they want Columbus. Plus, it makes sense. You move Columbus out of the Metropolitan. Um, although, actually, what does, what does make sense is you could move Columbus out of the Metropolitan, move... Quebec into the Atlantic so that they can compete against Montreal and then you move Detroit into the Metro. Um, but that would suck ass, so I don't want to see that happen. They could move Buffalo into the Metro, too, though. Yeah, fuck Buffalo. Move move them. You can move Boston as well. They're not going to break up Boston and Montreal. Yeah. But Buffalo doesn't move. really have many rivalries with the Atlantic right now. I mean, nobody considers Buffalo a rivalry because they're so bad. That's so. true. And you... You get the Battle of New York State, and you can showcase Eichel against all those teams. All those I'd like yeah. to see Toronto and Buffalo be a, like a heated rivalry one day. Like uh, the Sudbury-Thunder Bay rivalry. Uh, yeah. uh, were you disappointed to or, or not to see Toronto put in a bid for a second team? I badly, badly want to see that happen. I think Toronto deserves a second team. I think there absolutely ought to be their one there. And I think that the drama of watching the Maple Leafs go toe-to-toe with Bettman over saying you don't have a right to put a team in Toronto and Bettman saying uh, you don't have 24 owners that will tell me otherwise um, and the bad blood that that would create, uh, I, I want to see it happen. It's, it would be as interesting as, as the NBA offseason. Well, I just want to see because what what it's twenty seventeen eighteen is when the teams would start in theory. Yeah, yeah. So what year what year are we in Babcock's rebuild up there in Toronto? That'd be year two. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> not very far along. I want to see an expansion team in Toronto win a Stanley Cup for Maple Leafs. That's literally <laughs> what I want to see happen. them. Be the first team, to, the first Canadian team to win a cup since whatever '93. I, and I, I, I want to see it happen. I want them to be captained by a player that they took from Toronto in the expansion draft. 
David Clarkson. Yeah. It should be David Clarkson or Phil Kessel should be on that team. David, yeah, David Clarkson isn't on Maple Leaf anymore, though. Yeah, that's true. But it, they should, it should just be Nazem Kadri. I wanna, <laughs> so were, so you, I, you, guys, were you, you guys would have to explain it to me because I don't exactly know how expansion drafts really work. Like, I don't know how you that works. You can only works. protect, God, I don't know what the rules were back in the day, but, I mean, you can protect X amount of forwards, X amount of defensemen, and, like, one goalie or X amount of goalies, depending on how many you have. Yeah, we had a, uh, and, a comment that actually asked us to go over an expansion draft that I said we will go over in a post all by itself, and that's that's true, so we're not going to go into to do detail here. Um, let's see, you could either choose to protect nine forwards, five defensemen, and one goalie, or seven forwards, three defensemen, and two goalies. Although, if okay. you protected one goalie, uh, if you protected two goalies, you must leave one unprotected who played at least 10 games last season or 25 in the past two. Um, there's a bunch of experience. Great way to dump you, like, you have to leave certain mm-hmm. players unprotected that have played a certain level of experience. Um, yeah. And basically, anybody on an entry level deal is automatically exempt. And I, so, like, the Red Wings would not have to put Larkin up there because they don't have room for him. But yeah, they're like. Okay. Players like Smith, Kindle, and Howard would probably end up being unprotected in in such an expansion draft. So, Yoakam right. Anderson would be unprotected. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I just remember Doug Brown get picked by Nashville, and I was devastated back in the day. And then they traded him oh, back one week later. So he never had to actually suit up in those ugly Nashville mustard uniforms. Yeah, I, I think it would be great to see another Toronto team. I also saw a lot of. Um, there were a lot of reports about another Minnesota team. <laughs> oh, God, no. Which would be a disaster, I think. Because the Minnesota Wild, I mean, weren't they hemorrhaging for a while there? Like, weren't they, yeah, like, Where would not you even put a hot? second Minnesota team? You'd put them up Minneapolis. Like, uh, well, yeah, you'd have another, you'd have another Twin City. You'd have a Twin City rivalry. Here's the thing. The Twin Cities are the same city. They will tell you they're different they cities. You go, oh, we got two cities in Minnesota. That's not true. Minneapolis, St. Paul, the same city. They're lying to you. Like Anaheim and Los Angeles are the same city. Yeah, Joe lives in Anaheim. We actually proved that recently too. Mm-hmm. That'll be a, that'll um, be another off-season post. <laughs> Joe is lying it's, to you. I know JJ. You've always been against Kansas City, and you said like the mayor there said they they're never putting in a bid. So I won't even bring them up. But, I mean, would you like to see, if, if you had to pick some other kind of city, I mean, like Milwaukee, Houston, Salt Lake City, I mean, New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans is a good hockey team. But it's just, like, what weird city would you think, like, oh, that'd be interesting to put a hockey team there? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick a city that would eventually move uh, up to Canada, I guess I might as well pick Kansas City because that would bring uh, the Red Wings to within an hour of where I live at least once per season. Um, yeah. I might actually get season tickets for a Kansas City hockey team just for the novelty of it, but I don't. This will, this city will not support a team. They don't have an interested ownership group. They've um, got silly city politicians who are not interested in playing the NHL's expansion or relocation game. So... I'll vote for that, but I think as far as like which cities might work the best, um, I think Houston is probably the the best of the ones you mentioned, um, just because they Portland. have such 
I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm sold on Portland. Like they're weird. You know, Timber Spirit. No, I don't think Portland would work. Houston already has a. Well, I guess Portland does have a hockey team. I, like, I, think, I think Seattle is perfect for it because when you think about it, Seattle already has so many like uh, minor league teams, um, and they have a lot of hockey going on there. It's just they don't have any pro hockey going on. I think yeah. that's like and like you would think that the the and that's probably why the uh, the NHL called to have like an actual meeting with 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 them in New York. Um, I think they're I think they're actually talking, in my opinion, behind closed doors about hey. We're probably going to have a team fold here soon. So, are you guys, you know, going to be down? Yeah, and I think Seattle does have that kind of a sports culture right now that, like, they're fiercely Absolutely. proud of their pro teams, and they, you know, they love how much they love the Seahawks, and look at us, how much we love the Sounders. They're they're very like bandwagon friendly and so like closed off, fart sniffing. Like, look how cool we are because we. Pref- like Seattle just discovered professional sports really and so now they're treating it like they're like trying to teach the world how to root for professional sports and the rest of the cities out there are like fuck you Seattle so fucking full of yourself and your asshole Seahawks fans so yeah I think they would actually support a team really well and I really enjoy hating Seattle sports fans so it would work out for me too really well alright if you gotta name the team in Seattle name the team in Vegas and name the team in Quebec First thing that pops into your head, what do you name it? <clears throat> Quebec's going to be the Nordiques. If it's anything else, then it's a farce. It should be the New Deeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I wanted the Metropolitans for Seattle, but because of that stupid division name, it'll never happen now. Seattle uh, Godzillas. I don't care. Fuck them. <laughs> Las Vegas Gamblers, Wranglers, Aces. It'll be something stupid, right? Yeah, no, I think yeah. I think anything that they're about to come up with there is going to be awful. Um, whether it's the Black Knights or the Aces or something, I think it's just going to be terrible and it's going to sound completely forced. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to suck. It's going to be awful. I'm going to hate that team so much. Um, and I look forward to them in 12 years or 10 years being like, oh, shit, the city doesn't want us here anymore. I think it'll be HC Seattle for Hockey Club Seattle because that gives like the very European soccer feeling. <laughs> and yeah, we'll go with uh, Las Vegas Gamblers, and their uniforms will be like they'll look like the Kings ECHL affiliate. I honestly want it to be the Seattle SuperSonics. <laughs> How about just the Seattle like regular Sonics? Um, like just like a normal Sonic? The Seattle like, are we talking? Oh, so what if we just talking, are we talking like Sonic the Restaurant or are we talking like Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, there we go. The Ultrasonics. The Megasonics. They, Megasonic. they do own the rights to name a team the Sonic and they own all the history of the Supersonics because they already got a basketball team back. So I think legally then you might be able to pull some strings to name the hockey team that. The Seattle Hook on Sonics. <laughs> but I, I think I think we all know it's the NHL, so it'd be like the Seattle Rain, and they'd spell it like the Ontario Rain, like the the minor league team R E A or whatever. God, they're so bad. Yeah, I can't spell. It's late. <laughs> uh, 
let's move on to reader questions. Uh, we've got, I got four for us here. Uh, first is from our friend Josh Howard. Uh, Blaschel, how much of a grace period do we give him? How important is it that the team starts clicking out of camp? Would you consider this an important preseason? Uh, no, I don't really um, consider any preseason important. Yeah, I I, uh, I like to think that he's, his grace period is his contract, honestly. Like, I think that's what I'm comfortable saying. Like, he's got, what did he sign? Did he sign a four-year deal? Yes. Yeah. He signed one year longer than Kenny. All right, so I'll give him three years um, because, I mean, you know, three years is probably pretty good. That's good. That gives you enough time to, like, you know, he's going to see the death, the the end of the death suit career. Um, you know, it all depends. Like, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to sit in. Like, if they, let's say they miss the playoffs next year, which I don't think they're going to, um, I don't think that's something that's going to be like, oh, shit, we made the wrong decision. Um, I think it's definitely going to be uh, a possible work in progress there. Um, you know, I, I think his grace period is his contract because let's say, you know, you, you, he fizzles out and it doesn't work out to be that, you know, and what do you, what do you have from it? Well, you have a possible, because, you know, you're, you're entering a phase of the team where you're either retooling or you're fucking rebuilding. Um, so I think that he's got, you know, his grace period is going to be his contract. Um, he gets two years. Yeah, I'll give him the Dave Lewis he, special. He gets until the next lockout. No, I mean two years. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because you figure yeah, this is obviously barring catastrophic injuries to everyone that's important on the team. Uh, but Brad Osmus. Oh, okay, he sucked his first year, rookie mistakes, he learned on the job, blah, blah, blah. He got worse the second year. So it's like one of those things, like if Blashell does some stupid shit this year, okay, well, he's trying things out, it didn't work, he's going to adjust. If he never adjusts, and we're seeing the same bullshit the next year, then it's like, all right, what the fuck are we doing here? Time to move on. Yeah, I'll say like worst case two years because of exactly the, the awesomeness thing that, that Jeff just said. Um, but yeah, I could see him lasting four years with like, enough excuses built in. Like, cause yeah, like you said, if the, the team really needs to uh, go with a, a total rebuild, then obviously Blashell will get a lot more leeway. If he goes through a lot of injuries, then he'll get more leeway. But, uh, like, I don't care. I, I, would, I would be okay with, with cutting the cord at, at four years if, uh, if it's just, whatever, this isn't working, get lost. Yeah. Right. I think it's from our system. the contract. All right. From our sizzle, who will score more points this season, Yurko, Polkanen, or Shan? Shan. Jeff, what do you think? What did you say, JJ? I said Yurko. Oh, you guys said it like the same time. I was like, all I heard was Kyle's overpowering voice. Uh, uh, beautiful tones of Seth Rogen's voice. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Polkanen, just so we all pick someone different. And the winner buys the loser. The losers buy the winner beer. So there we go. Okay. Deal. More, more beer for me. Uh, the Birdman asks, do you think the Wings gain a true rival in the East this year? Can it be anyone besides Tampa? 
maybe a resurgent Pittsburgh. I um, think if Boston were to get good again, we could really see that rivalry happen. Um, but Tampa is the it's kind of obvious choice. Yeah, right. The Eisenman connection there, the playoff last year. In yeah, theory, on paper, they're fighting for the division or at least the top couple spots. Yeah, like I can't see anything else happening yet, like true rivalry yet, because Montreal would be an option, but that would only be one year of playoff hatred that would happen. So, like we have that much with Boston right now, we have that much with Tampa right now. I think that like those are the only two chances that that give us the multiple year playoff hatred. Um, Pittsburgh Toronto last time long term. Been in the playoffs was too long ago. Yeah, I mean, there's there's Toronto long term, but Toronto's going to be too garbage to uh, to care about. I mean, if we're a rival with Toronto, something has gone badly wrong with us. Right. I mean, you could say the same thing. Buffalo, if they got good, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but it would still know. take multiple years. Yeah. So if it's going to happen this year, it has to be either Boston or Tampa, and I think Tampa is more likely because Tampa is the team that isn't bad. All right, and our final question, and JJ, I'm going to tee you up on this one first uh, from. Adil Soccer. Time to cut our losses. Is Erickson's contract truly untradeable? I would be willing to get the short end of the stick on a trade for a fifth or sixth rounder. You know, what's Erickson worth? Can we just toss him over the ship for nothing? What do you think? No. The team has been trying for two years to get rid of Kindle for basically nothing, and it hasn't worked. I don't think that Erickson on a longer and more expensive deal is tradable, even for just a fifth or a sixth rounder unless you get into the crazy talk of we're going to hold, you know, a $2 million cap hit for the next six years just for the privilege of, of getting, you know, letting some other team have Erickson. Uh, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think it makes sense to to do that. So, yeah, he is truly untradeable. Um, it sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm at the, I'm a, I'm a the same uh same opinion. Uh, his contract is very much that it's not going anywhere. Um, the only way, I mean, you would literally have to find a, a team that is just, I don't know, truly desperate <laughs> to take on a shitty contract of a shitty fucking player. I mean, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I can't, I can't even draw up something in my mind that would make sense. Because even a team, like, no team's going to come to you and say, uh, all right, you're not going to go to a team and say, all right, we have a player here, we want to get rid of him. Um, we're going to take a sixth or a seventh round pick for him. Uh, but here's his contract, and we're not trying to really retain anything on it. And a team, every what team is, is going to be like, well, that makes no sense, fuck off. And let's say the Red Wings go, all right, well, we're going to try, we will retain the max amount of salary possible and you just give us whatever and then in, in turn that's a terrible deal. You're paying what, 2.5 mil of his deal for until the end of freaking time it seems. Um, it's just, it's, it's truly one of those contracts that is just not that you can't really make much sense realistically on how you can move it. Well maybe you can dump him to one of the expansion teams. Yeah, I mean, if someone wants to draft him, sure. I, I, I think that's the only real way that makes sense because it's like he's not, he doesn't make enough to be a good, like, 
cap anchor for a team trying to make the the floor, and the contract right. runs for too long. So if he's running into a cap anchor team that is in the middle of a rebuild, it's like he's still going to be around by the time they're, they're trying. Like, whoa, fuck, we don't want this guy around anymore. So they're not going right. to want him. Just having two million dollars of just wasted salary just to get Erickson off of there, I just I just think that's bad cap management. I would rather hold out hope that Erickson can be not garbage than uh, just waste that much cap space for that long, uh, especially since we've got the Weiss uh, mistake that we're still paying wasted cap dollars. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the contract that you're probably just going to have to deal with, you know. And the best way to deal with it is to stop playing him like the top-bearing defenseman. Amen. Maybe he'll surprise us this year. Probably won't. No nope. dog shit. But I've been waiting for players to surprise me for a long time. Then Netting surprised you. What? You hated him, and now he's like your favorite. Who? Glenn Denning. Who? Oh, no, he's always been my favorite. I just didn't want to really, like, you know, I wanted to be low-key about it, so. It's probably a good idea. Jeff went pretty uh, pretty aggressive about how much he loves Smith, and that blew up in his face. Yeah, worked out real well for me. Still going <laughs> strong. Uh, do you guys have any final hockey-related thoughts before we say goodbye? Hockey-related? No. I think the Red Wings are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. All right. Bold. <laughs> I got a joke for you. Okay. All right, what's my favorite color? Green. It is green. Red. What's my favorite pigment? What? Bacon-flavored Altoids. <laughs> uh, for JJ and Kyle... Oh, shit, I totally forgot. (laughs) All right. Final hockey-related thought. My final hockey-related thought will be, thank God we are not going to re-sign Danny Clay.